Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, co-insurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome back to another episode of Jewel. I am. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It just started flurrying literally one minute ago. I'm so jealous it hasn't started here yet. I love when it's snowing when we record because it's almost magical. I know. Me too. I'm feeling good about today. I like these stories. I feel like I kind of have a lot to say about everything. Yeah, that's how I feel too. I'm excited to talk about all of them. It's a good one. And as you guys know, every week we're highlighting a Black-owned business. And this week is actually another one we found on TikTok. It's called Trap Records, but with a Z instead of an S. It's kind of hard to explain unless you've seen it. I feel like some of you have probably seen it on TikTok, but basically they make these almost glass plaques and you can do album covers. They also have keychains. You also can do kind of any song with a Spotify code. And I think they look really nice framed. I just think it's a very cool gift. So as always, we will put all the information in the description. Julie, you ready? I'm so ready. So normally this is something that we would put in the Kardashian recap, but it just feels like main outline news, which is the fact that Kim has officially filed for divorce from Kanye. The news broke on Friday. They've been together, as you all know, for seven years. And we saw this coming, but I think at least the question we had been asking ourselves is when was she really going to pull the trigger and file? And I think it was two weeks ago where I said I had no concept of timing on this one. So it's not even that I'm surprised. I just had nothing to even base it off of. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm not surprised at all. I'm upset for them, but I'm not surprised. I am curious if she's going to make a statement or not, or if she's just going to let this continue to play out in the news. It's interesting because when this happened, of course, we got you know hundreds of inboxes of people saying, oh my God, is this warranting an emergency episode, et cetera. And it's so crazy because clearly you know, we have such an affinity for Kim and we talk about her so frequently, but it's interesting because I, I don't want to say underwhelmed, that's totally the wrong word, but wasn't nearly as much of kind of the reaction from the public as I would have anticipated because I feel like I guess we've all been almost bracing for it in a way. So this didn't feel shocking as much as it felt like, well, I guess it really is happening. Yeah, I think that had there been nothing leading up to this and all of a sudden it was just Kim Files for divorce, that would have certainly warranted an emergency episode because it would have, I think, rocked us all. But because it's been such a gradual building to this point where it's like you have rumors of issues and then you know you see 
Kanye doing stuff and you're like, okay, this isn't going to end well. And then you hear news of the separation. When you get to that point of like officially filing for divorce, it just feels like the natural progression rather than like a shock that came out of nowhere. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, according to all the articles, the quote sources, which like I know everybody jokes Chris Jenner, which it very well could be, everything seems to be completely amicable and co-parenting seems to be the priority, which I really do think that for both of them, say what you want about either of them, I do think their kids are both of their priorities, so that would never be an issue. Um, and I recognize that I'm sure right now this is not where Kim's mind is at, but to me, all I can think about is who could she possibly date next? Because every time I talk about this with somebody, nobody even has a little bit of a frame of reference. Like People will say, oh, it's either going to be somebody really, really famous or a billionaire. Those are the only two routes. And even when I'm putting it under that framework, I cannot think of somebody else that this makes sense for me. And I I think about it constantly and I really, there's not even one person that comes to mind. I, it's all I think about. And I think that the reason that it's so difficult to try and determine who she's going to date next is because A, she's post-divorce. I don't want her in a serious relationship. I want Kim to have a fun phase. But the way Kim is now with, law school and her business is like, she seems so serious to me at times where I can't really picture her having that like fun dating phase. But on the other hand, I can't see anybody she would be with. Like seriously, I can't picture that. So it's so hard to determine who would even be next for her. Please DM us your thoughts on this. If you have any really good picks in mind, because a lot of people thought that she would go kind of like the Rihanna route of just straight billionaire and that's it. Kind of more of like a fame adjacent, which I could totally see that. But when I think, I guess for me, it's more fun to think like, okay, well, who's somebody that's in the public eye, billionaire or not, that's you know equally as famous as her or right up there. And I can't think of it. I know a lot of people think that there was some truth to that Van Jones stuff. Who knows? It's just a, it's a fun game to play. It really is a fun game to play. Yeah, my mind obviously goes to Drake, but I don't think it's logical. I think it's just a fantasy that I've built up in my head, and I think a lot of people have too. Well, yeah, and also because, I mean, for how long were there those cheating rumors between Drake and Kim, the lyrics and stuff? So I think definitely people have that in the back of their minds of like, holy shit, is there any possible truth to that? Not that I think that there is, but it's kind of fun to think about. It is fun. Also, you have to remember in terms of the Drake thing, like, Kim is still co-parenting with Kanye. I think she still has a lot of respect for him. And I don't think she would do anything like date Drake that could cause a larger issue than is already there. I think that all of them in that family are so focused on co-parenting and co-parenting peacefully that they try as hard as possible to really keep between the peace between all of them. And I think that would cause major, major issues that Kim just doesn't want to deal with. And I don't think it's worth it for her to deal with. Yeah, I think so too. I also wonder, okay, would she go the professional athlete route? I don't know. It is such a hard thing for me to think of. And you're right, because there's definitely that part of me that thinks, okay, well, she's just kind of going to have a phase. But then I think, okay, well, would that phase, if it's somebody that she's not really serious with, would that ever be public? You know, or would she only go public with somebody that she was really serious with? I can't stop envisioning it. Hear me out. I think she could be with somebody that is similar to a Dave Grutman. Yes. Oh, I so see that kind of like fame adjacent hospitality space, potentially friends with a family for a long time, very wealthy, very well connected, similar scene. Is that what you mean? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like 
not Dave, obviously, because he's married and they're very good friends, but just like a little bit more than fame adjacent. Like Dave Grutman is a name, like, you know, especially in Miami. I don't think there's a household in Miami that doesn't know the name Dave Grutman. So I think a little bit more famous than just like Rihanna's ex, but not fully famous. Yeah. Like to your average person that is not living in Miami and that is not at all well-versed in pop culture, they're probably not going to know Dave Grutman's name. Right. They may know his clubs. They may know some of his restaurants, but they're not going to know his name. Like if we said that to either of our dads, not that our dads are good barometers, but both of our dads would obviously know Kanye West. So I'm just trying to think in terms like that. That's such a good point. I'm it's- so curious. I can't stop thinking about it. Like I want to make lists and lists of people that I think it could be. We were talking, you have to understand, Julie, Isabel, and I were on FaceTime a few nights ago, and we were talking about this for such a long time, and there was not one name that we threw out where we had a moment of like, you know what? I could see that. Not one. Van Jones, I think, was the closest any of us came. Yeah, and I don't even know how much of that is rooted in reality or if it's just we've let these kind of rumors get into our heads, so now we start to believe there's some truth to them. Right. Like That was the closest that a rumor came where I was like, oh, you know what? I could actually see that, but it still wasn't like an aha moment for me. I think also the other thing with this in terms of us not being as shocked or not feeling like this is warranted an emergency episode is kind of, it's not that I'm happy for Kim because I recognize that this in general, I'm sure this process has been really hard for her and hard for him as well. But there is this part of me that feels like she must feel a sense of relief, you know, that They were trying to make it work for so long and it just wasn't working. It was really, really good for a lot of years. And then once it got no longer good and once it became, I think, honestly, detrimental to both of their kind of mental healths, that it had to, it had to end. And so there's a part of me that feels like it must have been really difficult for her to actually do this and and make this concrete decision. And so I can't help but feel, uh, I guess, a sense of calmness on her behalf. Yeah, I think it's kind of a combination of of two things. I think there's definitely a sense of relief there for her. But I think when you think about the way that their relationship started and what it took for them to be together and how long it took and how much he fought for her and, and just the way her life turned out, not as a result of him, but just the journey that she went on with him and, and the way things were elevated once they were together, I think it's probably a really, really difficult decision. And it is probably why it took so long. I don't know. I'm I'm really sad for both of them. Like I I understand the sense of relief and I do feel that, but I am really really sad for both of them, especially when you just look back to the very beginning of their relationship. Well, yeah, I forget when it was. I'll put the that episode in the description in case any everybody didn't listen, but a few weeks ago we kind of did like a walk down memory lane of their relationship, and I think that when you do that, I guess the best way that I can put it is like a little bit more of kind of the emotion or the empathy or like the humanity comes back. Cause I do think for a long time, it was easy to look at this and be like, Oh my God, they just, they got to end this. It's, this is never going to work. This is just a disaster. And you forget about all of the really happy, good times that there were for so many years. So doing that, I think after we did that, it kind of gave me a little bit of a different perspective because I think I got a little bit, not stoic towards this, but I do think that I, I was lacking a little bit of those feelings because I felt so frustrated on her behalf and honestly on his behalf, just on behalf of the situation. Right. When you look back on it, it was like he really understood her in a way that I don't think anybody else has. And I think that's why it's going to be so difficult to envision who she dates next because 
She went from Chris Humphreys, who did not understand her in the slightest, to Kanye, who seemed especially, especially in the beginning, like they were just so evenly matched. And he just understood what it was like for her to be Kim Kardashian and the importance of her being Kim Kardashian. And I think that is something that made their relationship so special. So it's hard for me to envision somebody who's going to be able to understand her to that extent. Yeah. I mean, the Chris Humphreys of it all is potentially one of the most interesting things to kind of analyze when you put together this discussion, because she really went from one extreme to another in terms of putting her down at every opportunity to really praising her. And so I guess, you know, that's Chris Humphreys is my most recent reference point before Kanye, right? Of course, now Reggie Bush has kind of been in our thought process since we've been watching the old episodes, but before Kanye, Chris was my most recent. And so it's just hard and it's definitely going to be really interesting. And I don't think dating is at all on her high priority list right now, not just because the article said that I genuinely don't think so. And I also wonder, I haven't even thought about this one time, but now that we're having this conversation, yeah, I am a little curious if Kanye is going to date anytime in the near future. And if he did, what that would even look like. Yeah, that's a good question. I can envision Kanye dating easier than I can envision Kim dating. I also think that within the Kardashian family, and I think this gets brought up a lot in terms of discussion of their partners, like people always ask why it's so difficult for them to stay in relationships. And I think that with the Kardashians, there is no celebrity that I can even compare that has that level of media attention and scrutiny. And I think that people think that they can handle it. And then when they're actually in the situation, they just can't. Yeah, like James Harden, for example, he did not want it. I mean, there were other reasons, but that was too much for him. It can be distracting. And I it's interesting because I know, I think so many of us think, okay, Kim Kardashian, she could have anybody in the world. And right after the news came out, there were all of those memes about it, you know, guys sliding into her DMs. But you have to think for a second, as much as she herself is such a catch, it really does come with this lifestyle when it comes to media that is not common for any other A-lister. I really don't think, even we're talking the most famous there is, we're talking the George Clooney's, the Denzel Washington's of the world, even you know Jennifer Lawrence, nobody is as uh, consumed with media attention as they are. And so it's exhausting. I mean, that is not something that everybody wants to or can withstand. Right. And the Kardashians get it from both sides where they have their fans that are obviously obsessed with them and and want to know everything that they're doing. Reality show aside, just in terms of paparazzi and stalking them and seeing them out in public and and you know wanting to know every single inner detail of their life. But on the other hand, they also have people who hate them that want to know that much about them just to use it against them. So it's like I really can't think of any other celebrity that gets it at both angles with the combination of all of that being so public. The other thing about this is the fact that I think when you get, not all the time, obviously, but I think for some people, when you get to a certain level of success, whether that, let's say in this particular case, we want to categorize it as wealth, right? And you really reach this this certain level of wealth and this comfort in your lifestyle. I think for a lot of people, the privacy that can be afforded with that is really, really kind of exhilarating and really exciting because it's like, okay, well, you don't have to do all of these public facing things in order to maintain this lifestyle yet. So let's say we're talking about one of these billionaires, for example, in the case of dating Kim Kardashian, that kind of disappears because if that part of your lifestyle was appealing, you no longer have that. And that's a very realistic consideration that has to be taken into account. Right. Exactly. 
I also wonder, would she date somebody with kids? You know, I, in my mind, I would think that she would want to date somebody that also has children just because I feel like that would be important to her. But then again, that could be completely in my head. I have literally no idea, which is why I'm trying to say, I feel a little bit unsettled by this because typically I feel like we have a slight bit of a reference point. We can make some good calls and my mind is blank right now, which maybe is a good thing. Maybe that's kind of out of respect to them just going through this. Let's like take a minute before we're already setting her up with someone else. Okay. It's a terrible transition to what I'm about to say, but I think I thought of somebody. Who? Brad Pitt. Don't. Truly don't. don't Could you imagine? Don't. I actually, as you said that, I just got a chill down my spine. And I know we're going to get messages of people being like, don't even put that thought into the universe. Absolutely not. Like people that think that that would be terrible for both of them. But that literally just sent a chill down my spine. Let me explain. There's possibly no other celebrity that could understand the media attention of a breakup as well as Brad Pitt could times two. Obviously, Brad Pitt is down for kids and a lot of kids and has no problem with dating somebody with kids. Like, they, they're evenly matched from a fame perspective. Like, I don't know. I'm kind of like, I'm kind of seeing this one. I don't know if it'll ever happen. I don't even know if personality-wise it would match up. But just in my head, that's the first one where I've been like, Oh, I would love that. I can't. I can't believe the visceral reaction I just had when you said that. Like, I literally just like sat up straight. That was crazy. I know we are going to get so many messages of people being like, "Do not even put that out there." It just—it's an interesting thing to just think about, just in theory, hypothetically. It's so interesting. I think people could DM us being like, "I don't hate that." Once they think on it a little. Please, I'm genuinely asking this. If you listen to this podcast and you have a good thought about somebody you could potentially seek him with, just because we have been racking our brains, just send us a DM. Just say your thought, explain why, because that would be a fun thing to read next time, like the best answers. Right. Okay. Anything else you want to mention or should we move on? No, I think I'm ready to move on, but I'm glad we had that discussion. That felt amazing. It really did. I needed to talk about that. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Before we get into this next topic, I just want to give a trigger warning for abuse. So as I'm sure some of you may have seen, Gail King did an interview last week with FKA Twigs. 
And in it, she really opened up about the abuse that she endured during her relationship with Shia LaBeouf, which I know she had spoken about this months ago. And when she did, we kind of did a very lengthy segment on the podcast about it. But there was something about this interview, which probably only resonates if you actually watched it, which I highly recommend watching it, where she has this way about her where it's kind of like this very almost calming presence. And you almost start to become kind of like mesmerized with her and with what she's saying. And so as she was talking about these really horrific circumstances that she was in and the way that he behaved, I found myself personally, I mean, it would have been, of course, very hard to listen to and very upsetting regardless, but I felt it almost being a little bit more powerful because of the way that she was kind of conveying it. I I don't know if it makes sense unless you've watched it, but she has this very kind of unique way about her. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I think you're 100% right in that. And she spoke a lot about this. And I think, you know, one of the first things that she said that was interesting was how in the beginning, because you remember they met or they became romantic when she was starring in the movie Honey Boy that he wrote and he also was in the film himself. And she talked about how in the beginning, you know, he would do these very grand gestures of love. So for example, he would hop the fence and he would leave flowers in front of her door. And she said in the beginning, of course, that was exciting. And that's kind of how she fell into it because the way that he was communicating his love, it was exciting. And, and you know, he made her feel so loved. She said, but in retrospect, I realized that those were really crossing boundaries and there was no kind of personal space respected, which as we know, is kind of textbook abuser behavior that of course is so hard to recognize when you're actually in it because they have this very manipulative way of making you feel like the only one in the world, the only one they care about and how quickly that same level of intensity can then translate to being really traumatic. And she spoke kind of about the evolution of their relationship and how one of his things was uh, kind of physical touch or he needed to feel like he was receiving a certain level of affection from her. And she spoke about how he would almost put a numerical count on it. So he needed roughly 20 times a day her to either hold him or, or touch his arm or make him feel some sense of affection. And I just think that listening to her kind of outline what that did for her psychologically and how at the end of the day, you know, it would be eight o'clock and there were four hours left and she realized that she had five more times that she had to complete and what that kind of did to her. Just watching her speak about it to Gail, I thought was incredibly impactful and I mean, just beyond vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the most important thing that she touched on was the part where Gail King says to her, you know, everyone who's ever been in this situation hates this question but I'm going to ask it to you, which is why didn't you leave? And she kind of responds saying like, I'm not going to answer that question because that shouldn't be the question. The question should be, why are you abusing somebody to the point where they can't leave? And she was like, that should show you how bad the abuse was. She was like, it was so bad that I couldn't leave. And that should be the question, not why didn't you leave? And I thought that was a really, really powerful moment of the interview. It was beyond powerful. And, and when Gail asked her that question, she said, I don't even know if this is appropriate. And when FK Twigs responded and she said, I know you're asking it out of love, but I want to put this out there, basically saying, let this be kind of a lesson going forward that the survivor should never be the one receiving that question. And she said verbatim, the question should be, why are you holding someone hostage with abuse? Right. Which I just thought was very deep. And, and there was this one instance that she outlined, and again, I know I gave a trigger warning, but this is very intense what I'm about to say, 
when they were driving and it was getting really heated and they pulled over to gas station. And when she got out of the car, there were three men standing by there and he put her up against the car and strangled her and the men did nothing. And she said in that moment, she has never felt so alone. And just some of the things that she was outlining, looking in the mirror, seeing how the entire side of her body was bruised. And honestly, I thought this was also very powerful how she said she did not have plans of filing, that she really wanted him to get help and that if he got the help that he needed and that if he donated to certain charities, because she's a very big proponent of that, especially after calling the hotline herself, that she would have not filed. But since he was unwilling to do that, she did this kind of as almost a last resort, which I don't know if I was fully aware of that kind of thought process and how she got there. And I just I just thought it was a great interview. And and at the end, when Gail was talking to her co-host about the interview, she said, I'm so glad that she corrected me on that question. I'm so glad that she said that because that was a teachable moment. That was an educational point. And I know if you're listening to this, it may seem like very obvious, like we kind of all quote, no better. You don't ask survivors that. But the way that it was done, I do think um, there was an educational power there that FK Twigs didn't need to give, but she so graciously did. Yeah, I so agree. It was, it was, I definitely, I would classify as a teachable moment, whether that was the intention of it or not. It definitely um, came out that way. And I also just want to say that Margaret Qualey, who also was dating Shia LaBeouf, kind of spoke out about this for the first time, I think, since the allegations had surfaced. She basically posted a photo of FK Twigs on the cover of Elle, and she wrote, Thank you, as her caption, which I think kind of spoke volumes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I give any victim, any survivor, uh, an unbelievable amount of credit for even being able to speak on this. I don't think anybody has an obligation to, and to be able to do it, especially in her case, like really as a way to kind of help other women, I just think is beyond admirable. So anytime somebody does it specifically on camera, I just, I'm, I'm always just blown away to be honest. Yeah, me too. Definitely. Yeah. It was very powerful. I highly recommend watching. We can put the link um, in the description. Yeah. Next thing we wanted to mention, I'm sure all of you know this by now, but Paris Hilton got engaged last week on February 17th. I know we've spoken at length about their relationship and the ring is out of control. Of course, you know, she's engaged to Carter Room. It's an emerald cut diamond. It's estimated to be roughly $2 million. They got engaged on the beach. Her whole family was there. It was the most quintessential Paris Hilton engagement I could have envisioned. And I know I say this constantly. I'm just so happy for her. I'm so happy for her too. I really, really, really hope that this is it for her. I also want to say that I thought it was very interesting in her caption. You know, of course she posted about it. And we always say she kind of gushes about all of her boyfriends or all of her fiancés. And I don't say that in a judgmental way. I Like I said it a few weeks ago, I was like, honestly, more power to her about continually doing that. And they don't work out and she still does it without having those experiences rock her to not want to share her emotions. That's pretty fucking powerful. I think a lot of us sometimes, once we get hurt by that, we don't want to then be so emotive and she just will share to the world. But I thought it was so interesting in her caption. She was like, and to see more photos, go to parasilton.com. That was so funny. Yeah. The only reason I mentioned that is because it is so Paris Hilton. 10 years ago, that's what everybody would have done. But now I cannot think of very many other celebrities that still communicate with their audience in that way. It's so funny. You're so right. I also have to say, I've never seen a power move 
<laughs> such as seeing an article headline that was Paris Hilton $2 million ring is not her most expensive engagement ring. And I was like, wow, go you Paris. I know, go you. And we always wondered, did she give the ring back to Chris Zilka, her ex? I don't know. I assume so. Well, because if you remember at the time, there was that entire controversy over, okay, well, did she just buy it for him? Remember, there were all those questions asked because I think people were less kind of familiar with his career than they are with Carter's because Carter and his brother have this business together and they're like, I guess, well-known entrepreneurs have known the family for a very long time. Paris has known him for 15 or so years. And with Chris, I think people just felt like it came a little bit more out of left field. So there was always that question. Right. You think this is it for her, right? I don't know if my optimism and how badly I want to believe that it's it is clouding it. So I'm going to say yes, and I may have rose-colored glasses, but I, I have to say yes. I think that out of all of her relationships, this seems the most it to me. Yes, I think so too. Not just because they're engaged, like all of it, every kind of contributing factor of who he is, the way they met, the way they reconnected, like seems the most on par with who she is to me. Yeah, <laughs> since we know her so well. No, but same. I, I do kind of feel like I know her now. I swear to God, after that documentary, I'm telling you, if you have not watched that documentary, it is such an excellent watch. I feel like I learned more about Paris Hilton in that one documentary than I have known for years of following her. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well- Congratulations, Paris. You guys know we're so happy for her and we'll keep you posted if anything else happens. But uh, we love to see it, you know? Love to see it. Before we get into what we're about to talk about, I just want to give a trigger warning for drug abuse. But this Demi Lovato docuseries, Julie, I cannot tell you how excited I am not only to watch it, but then to talk about it on this podcast. Oh my God, same. I mean, you know how obsessed with the first one I was, so I cannot wait for this. Yeah, this whole theme of celebrities with these docu-series, I think I I just really enjoy it. I feel like it's a completely different um, look into their lives. And for anybody who didn't see, there was a roughly three-minute trailer released for her docu-series. It's called Dancing with the Devil. It's going to be a four-part series premiering on March 23rd. And in it, I mean, this, this trailer was seriously packed. We saw so many different things. And of course, a lot of it was centered around her overdose and how she really almost died. And there's this one part where she says, my doctor said that I had five to 10 more minutes. I've had a lot of lives like my cat. You know, I'm on my ninth life. Talking about how she had three strokes, she had a heart attack and kind of just the level of severity that that overdose caused her and how she really was on the brink of death. And I know we know it. I know we've heard her make statements on it, but watching this, it was additionally powerful. And I am so like deeply invested in her story. I can't even explain it. Yeah, me too. And I think this whole process will be so healing for her as well. Anytime somebody does this, celebrity or not, I always hope that there's a layer to it where it's cathartic because I think it must be. I think when that when you are forced to go through that level of reflection, it has to be. But especially with this, because at the end of it, you really see how she says, like, I'm doing this for myself. I'm living my life not for what the media wants, not for what the public wants, for what I want. And that I can't imagine something that is more empowering than to be able to finally say that and to finally do it. And even as something as small as what she's done with her hair and you see in the end, I couldn't help but draw a little bit of a parallel to Brittany with what we were talking about, completely different situations. But I'm saying when she was shaving her head, of course, Brittany was going through a totally different situation, but how there was that level of kind of symbolism of like, 
this is what I want to do in this moment and nobody can fucking control me. And there's an element to what Demi was saying that kind of reminded me of that. Again, completely different, but I'm just saying this sense of like, this is what makes me happy and I want to do what makes me happy. And like, fuck yeah, how we should all be doing what makes ourselves happy. And I do genuinely believe that that's a point that she's gotten to. Like, I don't think this is something that she's just saying to say it. I don't think this is something she's just saying to, you know, put it in a documentary or to try and convince herself. Like, I genuinely believe this is something that she is exhibiting every day in her own life. And I think that the biggest indicator of that was the way she was after her breakup and after, you know, the engagement broke off because she came out of that looking A, on top of the world just based on his own actions, but B, I think when that first happened, a lot of us had the reaction of like really worried for her and being like, oh my God, I hope this doesn't cause a spiral. I hope nothing comes. And it just seemed like every step of the way, she was just sure of herself and working on herself. And I think it was the first time that we saw Demi where we were like, it seems like she is really in the place that she says she's in. Yes. Yes. That's, that is precisely how I felt while watching this. There was that part of the documentary where she says, I'm engaged. And then you see another clip where she's showing her ring finger with nothing on it because I guess she was filming this during the process, right. which I mean, I, I can't even say his name. I feel like I literally cannot even say Max Eric's name without visibly, like without having a reaction to it because I was so disgusted by the way that that, one all, that all went down. But yeah, I just, I don't know. There's nothing really to say more than I cannot wait for it to happen. And of course we will be talking about it, recapping it, analyzing it and if there's any way we could ever get Demi you guys know that we would do everything in our power to do that yeah absolutely anything else you want to mention or should we get into the Kardashian recap oh I guess let's get into it kid there's a lot this week Julie I can't wait so the weather is finally getting a little warmer and one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, they're washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. Okay, let's start off things kind of light and easy here because some of the stuff we're going to be talking about is a little bit deeper. But as I'm sure all of you saw, Chloe posted that photo, which really was, I guess, to celebrate the Good American Shoe launch, but everybody's eyes immediately went to this giant ring on her finger. I want to say, this is not the first time we've seen this ring. If you remember, the first time she was spotted with it was around December when she was in Boston 
after Tristan had gone there because obviously he's on the Celtics now. And she was walking with True. She was wearing like a black oversized jacket. And you see she had this giant ring on her finger. That's the first time we saw this ring. And that's the first time people were wondering. I just think she hasn't posted with it being so kind of pronounced like it was here. So everybody immediately thought that. And then what really got people thinking was she made her caption, new good American shoes are dropping February 25th. Morgan Stewart commented in all capitals, are they? And Chloe responded, yep, they are with a kissy face. Everybody kind of took that and was like, holy shit, they're friends. Is this code for really saying engagement? Chloe then responded to the comment and was like, my reply was to the question, are they? I was saying yes, because I'm talking about the shoes dropping. So there were a lot of just different things happening. And listen, I have no idea if they're engaged or not, but this is exactly what we would expect from the Kardashians. If they are promoting something for their brand, of course, they're going to throw in an element that they know is going to lead to a lot of speculation, aka is more press around their launch. I mean, this is kind of like their bread and butter here. So no part of this was surprising for me. I just loved getting an up close and personal look at the ring. Me too. It's funny. It really makes me laugh that the entire internet gets like collective amnesia. We're like, we already went through this the first time we saw the ring. Like we already went through all the tweets. The questioning is Chloe engaged. We saw the ring. And then it's not even like when this was posted, everybody was like, here's the ring again. It was like every single person acted like this was the first time they had ever seen it. I know, but it's it's so true. And I always, I always wonder if that's like, you know what, everybody's fucking bored and they need something to talk about. Or if maybe people thought it was a different one. I mean, it's very clearly the same exact ring. This internet amnesia like phenomenon does happen a lot. Not just with Chloe, not just with the Kardashians. There's just a lot of different events that I find where we'll be talking about something and then it'll come up and everyone will forget that we've already had this conversation about an event. I know. I will say though, in people's defense, with so many of these like media outlets. And I really more so mean on Instagram because when they want to get like link in bio, they'll put something up as if it's the first time, as if it's this exciting thing, as if you are being kind of tricked into thinking that this is the first time that this has happened. And it's not until you go to the article where it's like, and eh, not to forget about the first time this would happen. And a lot of people never click the link in the bio. So they think it's like a new thing. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, listen, do I think they're engaged? I don't know. And to be honest with you, I would rather use this to kind of seamlessly transition into what I really want to talk about, which is the Keeping Up trailer where Kim is talking to Tristan about their relationship and that whole conversation. Because that is something we talk about so much. I could not believe we were getting literally the answers to what we always ask about. I would love to transition to this. Okay. So I'm sure a lot of you saw this trailer, one, because you saw it on your own, but two, because we actually posted it because this was the trailer that Chloe had responded to that comment when somebody said like, oh, can Kylie be friends with Jordan now? And Chloe basically went off saying she doesn't control who Kylie's friends with. But in this trailer, Kim is talking to Tristan about him and Chloe's relationship. And they both, Kim and Tristan, collectively have this opinion that Chloe is totally fine with their relationship. She's kind of over the cheating. She's over everything that happened, but she's still so caught up on what the media thinks and what the public thinks and what everybody else is going to think of her decision. And Kim is saying, you know, she's kind of surprised because she never thought of Chloe to be someone like that. Chloe normally had this kind of, I don't give a fuck attitude. And I was watching that, Julie, with like so much um, validation is the wrong word, but such a keen eye because you and I have spent so much time talking about this on the podcast and just in our own lives about how we really do wonder how much of Chloe's decisions 
are informed by wanting to steer clear of public embarrassment because embarrassment is a very powerful and at times overwhelming emotion. And there's no way that she's not feeling that. And I I was like, holy shit, we're getting this conversation. It's exactly what I wanted to hear. And it's exactly what I knew the conversation would have been. Like what I had envisioned in my mind was exactly what Tristan was saying. But there's obviously something different about hearing it come straight from him. It was also interesting for Kim to say, Chloe has such an I don't give a fuck attitude. I'm so surprised that she cares so much about public opinion because I always feel like this I don't give a fuck attitude that Chloe has is a facade. I was going to say like a coping mechanism because she almost had to put that on. And maybe that's because we are so tuned into this since we've been watching the earlier seasons and especially in, you know, seasons one, season two, when she's dealing so much with the media criticism, how she kind of has to fight back against that by almost having to become stoic is the wrong word, but like fuck them. And it's so clear to me. And that was so evident. And listen, Kim is her sister. She knows her better than anyone. I think if anything, Kim maybe was saying that because that's what she chooses to believe or maybe wanting to say that to Tristan. I think deep down, Kim knows just as well as all of us that Chloe was doing that as a way to kind of preserve herself. I think at that point, what it's come down to for Chloe is fully self-preservation. Yes. And in the episode of Miami that we're going to do next when we for the Kardashian bonus show, the entire episode is Chloe talking about the walls she's put up around relationships and how she is so unbelievably closed off to the idea of a relationship or to allowing herself to be in a relationship that it's like crippling for her. Right. I mean, it's case in point that. So when Kim was saying that, I was kind of sitting here like, well, one, this is kind of what we had always thought. Two, I'm glad that it's being acknowledged now by both parties of their coming out and saying, yeah, Chloe really does give a fuck. And I guess my next question or the next thought of my mind is, are we going to see Chloe say that? I want to hear it from her directly. She doesn't have to. She doesn't have an obligation to. But I would love to hear her say, you know what? I really did start to care deeply what other people thought and not just my family. It's not like my family's opinions are the ones that are stopping me because her family is potentially the most supportive. I mean, we've seen them forgive the exes constantly, regardless of what they've been through. So it really comes down to the media and the public. And I really do think that when you're constantly being like made fun of or being called a fool or being called oblivious, stupid, uh, you know, you're, people, you'll, you'll let anybody walk all over you. I think you, that gets to you and you start to wonder like, holy shit, is that me? And do I want to put that out there? So I, I was, I like, I can't even tell you how much I could have watched them talk about this forever. Same. It's also interesting with Chloe because it's not like she's specifically trying to hide it. Like I, I think we all kind of know at this point. So I personally would obviously rather her just own it. And I think the public would respond better to her being like, you know what? We're back together. You obviously see it. You obviously see the comments on the Instagram. You obviously see the way that, you know, we interact as a family. You're going to see it on the show. I might as well just be transparent. I think that the whole thing she does where she's so close to admitting it, but will never let herself fully get there to admit it to the public makes the whole situation just a little more messy and makes people have a harder time of getting over it because they're picking up on the energy that she's putting out where it seems like she's not over what happened because she's not willing to come forward and just own the relationship. 
Yes, but something else that I wonder is how much of it is the public perception thing that we just discussed and how disorienting embarrassment is and all of that. But also what like what level is she fully convinced? Because I think we can all agree and, and now we have confirmation that she that stuff does play into account. But the unanswered question is then, okay, is she really a hundred percent okay with it in her own life? You know, she, I know in the preview, Kim was saying, yeah, she wouldn't be hanging out with you 24-7 if she wasn't. And I wonder, is that true or is some of that kind of her forcing herself? That's the part that I think there's still a little bit of a question about. Yeah, I have that question too, but I don't see – when I look at it, it's not that I think she's forcing herself. It's not that I think – she doesn't enjoy being with him. I think she is actually scared of how much she still does enjoy being with him and how much she enjoys his company and how much she enjoys being a family with him. I think that is what scares her about it because it's almost like, I'm trying to think of how I want to word this. It's It almost comes off when I view it as like, she's scared of the lack of control she has over her own emotions here, which I think is something she's not used to at all. So I think that part of her is hiding it or part of her is not owning it because it's like the last ounce of control she has left. Yes. Yes. I think so too. I I think that the psychological journey that Chloe has been through in all of this is really will forever change her as a as a person. I know some people may totally disagree because they'll say, well, what do you mean? She's still with him. I just think that internally there's a lot of shit going on and some stuff that I don't even think has risen to the surface yet. I totally agree. And the last point is I think that obviously they all are very connected to their fans. Kim and Chloe probably the most and Chloe probably more than Kim just in the way that she interacts with them like they are her friends. If you look at Chloe's Twitter, the way she responds to people, it is like she's talking to her friends. And so I think that Chloe oftentimes feels a certain level of responsibility to her fans to not be like, I don't give a fuck what you think. Cause she does give a fuck what they think. And I think she wants to respect her fans and respect the protectiveness that they feel over her. So I don't think she's willing to come out and be like, this is who I want to be with. I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks. If you have a problem with it, like that's your own business. Like I think she does care what people think from a genuine place of caring. So I think that she has a hard time fully going forward with that. I don't give a fuck attitude. Yes. Because it's not really a fully like internalized deep attitude. It is much more like we decided earlier, a protection mechanism. She can't pretend that she doesn't know where other people's feelings on this are coming from. Well, that's the thing. It's not like, wow, it seems like most of the internet is really not a fan of my boyfriend, potential fiance, father of my child. Like for no reason. It's like they have, people have very legitimate reason because of course it's their lives and they know more and they're going to make the decision and that's totally fine. But how do you expect the public to feel when they followed somebody for so many years, they are watching her in the delivery room, give birth to her daughter while simultaneously her best friend and her sister have to make motions behind the father of her child's back because they're so disgusted to be same room with him because that same week he cheated on his pregnant about to be in labor girlfriend. Like, listen, people's fucking feelings are completely valid. And I know, I know, you know, people that are listening to this section that like have no affinity towards the Kardashians may think it's weird that people get so invested. 
I don't know what to say to that. People have watched this family, ourselves included, for 13 years. It's normal to have that a little bit of like, you know, human connection and response. And you, because it's not only that it's Chloe, you think of it in terms of people that you know, you think of it in terms of your friend, in terms of your sister, in terms of other women in your life that have been in similar situations. And I think in certain points when you're watching Chloe, it's kind of like a culmination of that or potentially a representation of that. So it's very normal that her fans feel a sense of protection. Not, I never think to the point where like, bullying Tristan or saying terrible things is it all warranted, but that's not what I'm talking about here. It's normal for people to have a little bit of a hesitation to say, like us, Chloe, do whatever the fuck you want. We are so happy as long as you're happy and we'll support you and it's your life and we're completely on the back ends. We're just commentators. Who are we? However, having watched you for the last 14 years of our lives, yeah, we would be lying if we said we're not a little bit concerned and not a little bit weary of this guy based on what he's put you through. And there's absolutely a difference in terms of your relationship to a celebrity, there's absolutely a difference between being protective over them versus feeling ownership over them. The ownership is when it crosses the line. The ownership is what's concerning when, you know, people project that onto the celebrities that they quote stand that, you know, crosses the line, but the protectiveness of being like, we don't want you to get hurt again, I think is absolutely normal. And if you're listening to this podcast, there's probably a really good chance that you have at least one celebrity that you feel that protectiveness over where you can understand how people would feel that way about Chloe. Yeah, I I would imagine so. Not like I said, not like to the point where you're going to take it upon yourself to fight their battle for them. But yes, of course, I just think that's natural. Right. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Okay, also one other thing from this preview that I want to mention that I think is also a bit of a seamless integration to our next uh, topic, which is that one millisecond where we see in the trailer, Scott say to Courtney, I would marry you right now. And of course we all simultaneously drop dead and talk about how short lived that is. Because on one hand, we're seeing Courtney and Travis's relationship really take it to the next level, which for anybody who doesn't listen to the Kardashian bonus shows, we spent the first like five or 10 minutes last week talking about that. So we're not going to get so much into it now. But even this week with their display of affection on Instagram and their stories, which we'll talk about. And then Scott and whatever is going on with him, we see he's now dyed his hair from blonde to pink. 
We're seeing that his relationship with Amelia is increasingly heightened. I know we spoke about this a lot on the Kardashian bonus show. And then the cherry on top of it all, the lunch with Larsa in Miami. I'm going to tell you something, Julie, not to sound dramatic, threw me for a loop. I'm very overwhelmed right now. I really think a lot of people's interpretation of the situation is Scott potentially seems to be spiraling a little, whether or not there's any truth to that. Knowing his previous kind of behavior, I think everybody has a little bit of like um, this, I guess, approach of like care and approach of nervousness and just wanting to see, okay, what is going on here? I do want to go back to the point that I made probably twice now, which is there's just something in my gut telling me that Courtney and Travis predated Scott and Amelia. There's just something telling me that that is a reactionary to the other. Again, not a spiteful reactionary, not a petty reactionary. It just feels like that relationship is a result of it not working out between Scott and Courtney or Scott in his own mind feeling like he could have had it and lost it. I can't tell you why I feel that way. There's just my gut is telling me that. Well, also, let's not forget, and I know we spoke about this, but let's not forget that Courtney and Travis's relationship is completely different than anyone else she's dated in recent history based on their friendship and based on the familial relationship and based on how much he was already kind of in the family. So it's automatically more serious. They could be dating for one day and it's automatically going to be more serious than six months in with Eunice just because of their past history. I mean, I'm sure Scott and Travis have shared many meals together before there was anything romantic going on. Travis has been a very, very close friend of the family for a lot of years. Their kids are friends. It's a whole thing. So yeah, I mean, that in and of itself could, again, if we're going to take that approach, yeah, that could definitely send Scott spinning a bit. Yeah, I think so too. Also, the lunch with Larsa couldn't have been that big of a deal to the family because Jonathan was there too. Right. I I guess we all have... um, I guess we all in our minds, or maybe you and I have this idea of Larsa as kind of like their enemy. And I don't know if it's that deep. I don't know if it's that deep to them either. It could be, but it just doesn't feel that way. And Jonathan, who is like literally his birthday cake that they posted yesterday was about him being up Kim's ass. There's no way if they were on that bad of terms that Jonathan would have been the one to, to go to lunch with Larsa. No, I don't think so. I think they just know she's no longer in the inner circle. But if people are going to have relationships with her that kind of have spilled over or still remain, they're not the type to be like, you have to completely cut her out. I just think that Kim personally and Courtney have absolutely no interest in ever having her in their very close inner circle and ever having the trust in her to share the innermost details of their issues because she has proven to not be trustworthy. Not saying she's a terrible person. She has proven to not be trustworthy and also to not be Um, completely selfless in terms of holding that information. And the clearest example of that is Jordan and Chloe with that whole situation. Absolutely. Also, last point on uh, the Scott in Miami situation, the kids are there too with him and Amelia. So that is a, a big relationship step, quote unquote, for them as well. Yeah. I say this every week and I will continue to say it because I think it's that important just in case somebody missed the one episode. And I know we both do and feel this way. The feelings that we have towards Scott and Amelia's relationship have absolutely nothing to do with Amelia. It comes down to an age thing and also um, just a Scott's motives thing. That's my only question. It has nothing to do with Amelia herself. 
Right, exactly. I don't know, Julie. This whole thing. I mean, we watched the Britney documentary a few weeks ago, and I'm not at all for even a quarter of a second comparing Scott's media treatment and Britney's. Please do not misunderstand. I recognize we're talking apples and oranges here. But I will just say that kind of all made us have a wake-up call. And I think in general, you and I are really sensitive when talking about people's like potential mental states and, and stuff like that. But I think it's really easy for people to make memes and all this shit about like Scott with pink hair going off the deep end and what's he going to do? And I saw like all these crazy memes and I don't feel comfortable engaging in that because I know of Scott's past and I know it really could potentially be going on. And maybe it's nothing. Maybe he's just having a little bit of a midlife crisis and he wants to change and he wants to have fun and go for it. I'm not confident enough to say that that's all that this is because I think with so many different things happening, it's potentially possible that there's something a little bit deeper. So I don't, I can't engage in that like lighthearted conversation about it yet until we have confirmation about what's going on. I like my, my own, um, my conscience isn't going to let me do that. Yeah, I totally understand. I think the biggest takeaway from the Britney documentary was if you take a look at any given celebrity that you're talking about in 10 years, if something were to come out about them and about their mental health and about the journey they went on, how would your words look in retrospect? And I think that's how we have to approach every situation. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Anything else you want to mention about Courtney and Scott or Courtney and Travis? I guess nothing. Just that one clip of him saying, I'll marry you right now will never, ever, ever get out of my head. Obviously not. And also in uh, Travis's Instagram story, when he posted the letter from Courtney, when she wrote to lots of fun adventures, maybe destroy each other completely, love Courtney. And he had tweeted a few days earlier, maybe destroy each other completely. I know a lot of people had a lot to say about that. I don't think it's that deep. I don't think they're looking. Like people responded to our story being like, oh my God, how terrible, how toxic. I, I just think it's the way that they're communicating. I don't think it's anything deeper than that. But a lot of people had questions about her handwriting. I have to tell you guys, I mean, obviously you would have no way of knowing this. I have the worst handwriting known to man. It's terrible. It's it's embarrassing. I, I can't even really look at it. I'm, I never write any cards because it's just so bad if we're sending something out. So I, Julie can, because she has good handwriting. I can't comment on Courtney's handwriting because it would be like the pot calling the kettle black. Oh, I didn't realize that there was even a conversation about Courtney's handwriting. I kind of liked it. Oh, so I sent you that TikTok yesterday. Did you see it? It was like the prettier the girl, the uglier the handwriting. Yeah, I was like, that's the truth. I was like, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I uh, I stand in solidarity with anyone else that just never learned how to write well. I it's just not a not a quality that I I excel at. I'm actually kind of self conscious about it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I would be if I were you too. So. <laughs> It's so bad. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and be like, no, no, it's totally okay. Like, I, I don't let you write anything. So, yeah, I would be, I mean, I don't think you have to be self conscious, but I, I do think being self aware about it is a good quality. Oh, I'm very aware. Our process, if we're like sending something out, like a, a gifting, I sit down and I do a notes app of everything, every person we're writing it to, I write the note and then we split it between Julie and Isabel in terms of who's actually writing it because it would just be disrespectful for somebody to receive one from me. I, I completely agree. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my mom had terrible handwriting too, though. I know. Last thing I wanted to talk about quickly was Kendall's tequila, because I know for a while now, and by a while, I mean the last three or so weeks, maybe the last month, we'd kind of been speculating about this. And I think we originally thought that it was going to be Kylie's brand just based on the way that she was posting, but confirmed it is Kendall's tequila brand. It's 818, which as we know is the Calabasas area code. She's, I guess, been working on this for a while now. 
and I know, of course, you know, we can't talk about this without mentioning the kind of controversy that's swirling. And I know there's really, really mixed opinions on this, even among people from Mexican descent, just totally opinions across the spectrum. And I'm not going to speak for anyone, but kind of one of the things that has been swirling is like, well, why is Kendall Jenner, a white woman having this tequila brand and how some people view this to be appropriation of Mexican culture. There's some things with the way that she spelled things on the label being incorrect, saying that the focus should be on Mexican owned tequila companies. Of course, there's people completely on the other end saying that's ridiculous. There have been hundreds of celebrities that have had tequila brands before and nobody said a word about it. A lot of white males, you know, Nick Jonas, George Clooney, Justin Timberlake, but also The Rock, for example, Diddy. Um, So then some people think that it's just woman hate, Kardashian hate. I am not giving my opinion here because if a Mexican person is saying they feel it's appropriation, I'm like not going to say that it's not who am I. I will be honest in saying though, I feel like typically when a story comes out and there are accusations of cultural appropriation, typically I feel like it's something that we saw coming. Um, you know, whether it's the Kardashians or someone else, I'm going to just be honest and I. I'm sorry if I sound ignorant for saying this. That's not a response that I would have anticipated just because that response has not been at all there when other men have come out with brands. So I guess I just wasn't anticipating that. It's that's that's not to say that it's not real. I just typically find that you and I are, I don't know, pretty much can see that coming or we will anticipate something like that. And I I can't even lie for a second and say that I thought that that was going to be part of the conversation. Yeah, I didn't either. But I think so much of that goes to the fact that we've known countless tequila brands owned by celebrities that we've never heard a word about. So I, I think you expect that if you haven't heard a word about it prior, then you're not going to hear about it now. But I guess with women owned companies, with specifically Kardashian owned company, you never know. But I think that the one thing that we can all agree on in this is if the backlash is only to Kendall and not to any of the other celebrities who are, who own companies or, are doing the exact same thing, then it feels a little misplaced. That's all. I think that if there's backlash, then there should be backlash across the board. Yeah. And I think everybody can agree with that. Yeah, I would hope so. No, I mean, that's, that's just not a, that's not just a Kardashian thing. That's also just a woman thing. I mean, there, you know, like, yes, people will jump at opportunities, but there's also an underlying element of misogyny. But again, in this conversation, I know a lot of people like we're really fighting back against this and saying that's so stupid. I just don't feel comfortable, especially on a platform like this. If we, we always talk about this. And so it needs to be consistent across all kind of, you know, cultures that we're talking about. If somebody from that culture is saying that something is X, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's not. What I am going to say is what you just said, that, okay, let's keep that same energy for everyone else. But right. after okay. after we've talked specifically about the anti-Semitism conversations, somebody's, if we're saying something's anti-Semitic, I don't want anyone telling me that it's not. So I'm not going to sit here as, as a fucking white girl and tell people of Mexican descent that, they shouldn't feel like this is appropriation. It's not my spot to. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, anything else you want to mention? No, I think that's it. I kind of like randomly loved this episode. I did too, but it's because it was so Kardashian heavy. <laughs> that was fun. Um, anything in the world else on your mind, things, thoughts? I, I don't think so. It's snowing so much right now. I know. It's since we've since we started, it's the whole ground is covered. It's I love it. I also will say that uh, for any of our Bravo listeners, Friday is about to be so lit because that episode of Atlanta, I mean, Julie, it's worth you watching Housewives just to watch that one episode. Guys, I can't even wait. I cannot even wait. 
That's what I've been hearing about Jersey as well. Jersey, Julie, this was, this was some other one. This was (laughs) some shit. You got to watch it. It's episode one. So I know you don't know the background, but you can watch it. I'll watch it. Okay. Well, we love you guys so much. Julie and I will see you on Wednesday for Kardashians, Chloe, Courtney, take Miami and Isabel and I will see you on Friday. We love you guys. Thank you as always for listening and for caring and I don't know, for spending Mondays with us. 